Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey parents, it's good to have you back with us today for another Wonder of Parenting podcast. I'm Tim Wright along with Dr. Michael Gurian. And a special thanks to our good friends who are sponsoring our podcast for us, our good friends up there in Seattle at the Center of Place of Hope. And you can learn more about them on our website, wonderofparenting.com. We have a link to their website. They do great work for people who are struggling with issues like anxiety and depression and other things. And and uh, you can go there. And they not only have a, a clinic, but uh, Greg Jantz, the director, is a prolific author and has written all kinds of really helpful books, ranging from anxiety and depression to dieting and worry. So I encourage you to stop by uh, our website, wonderofparenting.com. And hit the link to A Place of Hope and see if there might be some resources there to help you or your family members. And also other resources that we have through the Wonder of Parenting to help you in your parenting adventure. Uh, Today we're going to come back to a topic that we talk about uh, regularly on this podcast. And it comes up regularly because it's a topic that receives a lot of press and a lot of negative press. And the other reason why we're talking about it is because... Uh, the majority of our podcasts, when we have talked about boys' issues, those tend to get the most hits. Not that we don't get them for girls, but we have a lot of interest in our boys because there's so little information about our boys in our culture today. And so what we're going to talk about is the increasing criticism of what some are labeling traditional masculinity. And uh, this is a big deal because it has a lot to say to those of us who are dads about how we raise our boys and our girls. And it has a lot to say to us as moms and dads about how we raise boys and what does it mean to be masculine in the 21st century. And uh, I'm going to bring Michael in here in a moment, but just a couple things, Michael, to to get your creative juices flowing. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that you and I have talked about at length is the issue of toxic masculinity. And uh, I think we both recognize that there are people who use that, and they're not labeling all men as toxic. They're labeling some behaviors as toxic. But as often happens, when you use a label, it's, it starts to become generalized. And so the concern both of us have had is that we are labeling our boys and all, all really all men as toxic. And now, at least from my perspective, we seem to have moved away a little bit from labeling men as toxic— to um, to really looking at what we call now, whatever it is, traditional masculinity and labeling that as something bad. Uh, and uh, I know that there's been some things uh, from one of the organizations that you are aware of. And uh, so we want to talk today about traditional masculinity. What are people saying by that? And is it all bad? And move more toward a biological understanding of masculinity. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of stuff here to unpack today, but it's so important uh, for those of us who are dads in terms of our masculinity and what it means to be men and fathers, and it's important for us as we think about raising our sons. So Michael, what I'd like you to do, if you would please, 
Start out by defining for us how the difference between ideology and science. Oh, you're going to be asking big questions today. You bet I am. Um, I love it. Well, you know, science is, of course, um, uh, especially brain science and neuroscience is looking at observed phenomena. And those observed phenomena are, you know, brain scans, uh, biochemical data. And when we're in the gender neuroscience field, uh, you know, we're looking at those those things, basically a person from the inside out. And and we're looking at it through the gender lens, the sex and gender lens. So so not just at we're not just looking at neuroplasticity, let's say, but we're looking at how the male brain does that and how the female brain does that. And of course, that includes the whole gender spectrum. We know that there's not one male, not one female, that we have a lot of variety. But at the same time, uh, because of the X and the Y chromosome, we are we are female and male. Uh, wherever we on this where we are on the spectrum, so science takes all of that data, observed phenomena, looks for large sample sizes if possible, uh, before coming to conclusions, and then upon coming to conclusions, predicts uh, you know can predict certain behavior uh, and or can help with applied science, which is just how, here's how how you could apply it to help uh, people in in your world. And that's where I'm at. I'm the applied neuroscience guy. I'm always trying to apply it to people's lives practically. So ideology, of course, it it's, it cherry picks some of the same data, but ideology is starts from an all already concluded idea, um, and that already concluded idea came from somewhere in the past. It's it's a tradition. It's traditional in a sense. It came from 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. Wherever that idea came, it came from some smart person or people observing something and then and making a conclusion and um, may not have been scientifically rigorous, but they've come to a conclusion. And then that conclusion is promulgated everywhere, right? Everyone, and usually through the academic world is where it starts. A conclusion, an ideological conclusion is drawn. Uh, Like-minded people say, we like that conclusion. We're going to expand that into this theory. And then that theory is going to um, generate our ideas. It's going to control our ideas because all our ideas now and applications are going to need to fit this theory, which fits that first idea. So, for example, when it comes to things like, um, to get us on topic, traditional masculinity. So, ironically, it's it's a new tradition that's trying to erase the old tradition. And um, the new tradition is an ideology, which is that, that anything sort of having to do with masculinity or what is considered tra- traditional masculinity, stoicism, uh, aggression, showing compassion through aggression, um, uh, that that kind of stuff, as, when it's applied to males, is called traditional masculinity, and it's ideologically forbidden. Right? It's bad, uh, and and so it doesn't really fit science. I'm sure we're going to break it down now. You're going to ask me some questions, but this con this ideological attack on traditional masculinity fits the early conclusion, which was that all things male or all things masculine or all things stoic or everything aggressive, that all that is bad. It fits that initial idea or ideology, but it it ends up not fitting science. So in in one sense, uh, you take an observation of a a small group of people, this may be oversimplifying, a small group of people, and you say, okay, there are some bad men, so therefore all men are bad. 
that can become an ideology. Yeah, we form an ideology. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that basically that, although nuanced, because the the ideology grew from a, a, a set of truths, and the primary truth was that there was a patriarchal system in place, and that patriarchal system has had a, has been a system in which women were second class citizens, and. Um, so the ideology started developing about 100 years ago, especially, you know, 50 to 70 years ago, started developing in academe, and and rightly so, I think, actually, that that patriarchal society made women second-class citizens and, you know, didn't even give women the vote till 120 years ago. So, uh, you know, that's obvious. So that patriarchal society, we needed an ideology to battle that because we just couldn't have that kind of gender inequality. It was just wrong. Um, but what happened was that the, the um, two things got missed. One, that the patriarchal society, though it had that negative outcome, which had to be changed, also was part of why we've survived and thrived. And that's a very complex one to unpack, because um, it's hard for people to see nuance. It's hard for especially ideologues, to see that, okay, this was bad. We all agree we have to have gender equality. But at the same time, women were better protected. Um, they didn't have the vote. That was wrong, but they were better protected. There was less violence. You know, there were all, all these markers that we're really worried about now. A lot of them did not exist um, as much as they do now under that patriarchal society. So we had to get rid of the patriarchal society because this gender equality was so, inequality was so severe. Um uh, but the tr some of the traditional masculinity stuff that has been with us, that you and I would call biological masculinity, some of that uh, stuff has been with us for more than 5,000 years. So, you know, a million years, certainly a few hundred thousand years. And that stuff is actually healthy. And it's just very difficult for the ideologues to separate the fact that we needed patriarchal society to change from the fact that a lot of things like, of traditional masculinity are actually healthy and we need to teach them to boys. That nuance is very difficult for pe uh, people, especially in the academic world, people who are ideologues in that world. And then it kind of goes into the media, then goes into government. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, the other two words I want you to define, and then we'll get real practical. The difference between gender and sex. Yeah, well, sex, of course, is when we talk about biological masculinity, you and I are going to be talking about sex on the brain. Uh, we're going to be talking about the X and Y chromosome and, and how they set up brains to be female and male, which we have discussed before. Um, and that everyone on the gender spectrum, including someone who's trans, is 
female uh, is male, so that that female and male are sacrosanct, and then they branch into organisms. So an organism, and then the support systems for that organism, females, their support systems, are not only saying to them, hey, you could do A, B, and C out in the society, but they're also saying to them, you've got these biological imperatives in you, and let's make sure to nurture that nature, right? Let's help you have a life that fits who you are, and who you are can be a broad spectrum, of course, but that fits who you are. Similarly with males, for males to be healthy and for the culture to be healthy, truthfully, we have to look at males and say, okay, here's what sex in them. This is what, like, biological masculinity is. This is what sex on the brain is. This is the support they need to grow up to be mature adults so that they can serve their society. And serving society is the core value of traditional masculinity or biological masculinity. The core value is serving society. And for them to do that, we have to have these developmental building blocks in place, or they're not going to be able to become adults who father, who husband, who serve society. And ultimately, that's what we need them to be. Uh, everything else is secondary to them being able to father the next generation. And 92% of males will father, so that's very important. Um, to love, right? To love those who love them. That's crucial for the stability of society, to know how to love um, as a mature adult. And then to serve society in the larger frameworks through work and, and, and faith and through other, other areas where we serve that that's biologically wired into males, but the society has to help them to do that in mature adult ways. And um, so, so when we talk about gender, we are talking about a social construct. Uh, but we just, of course, want to say to everyone listening that in our society now, in 2019, sex and gender have been blended. So we we'll say sex, we'll say gender, you know, because they're all blended now, um, and the society has tried especially ideologically, has tried to remove sex and and say everything is gender, when really gender is the social construct and sex is what's in your brain and obviously your body. All right, so let's talk about some of the uh, attacks on, say, traditional masculinity. I know the uh, the APA, I think that's the, 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 the yeah. initials. Tell yep. us a little bit about what they came out with, who they are and what they came out with, and then we'll, we'll try to put some pieces together on what it looks like to be masculine in the 21st century. Yeah, so over the number of decades, and one could say one of the crests of it or climaxes of it was this uh, APA guidelines on... on um, working with boys and men. So the APA is the American Psychological Association, and they gave the job of, of having guidelines, of developing guidelines for all their members. Um, I, 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 I'm part of that group, so, uh, but I wasn't part of the group who wrote it. Uh, they gave their job to these, this Division 51, which is a group of, of ideologues who are, they're smart people. Uh, you know, I mean, they, re- they really are smart people, but they come at it from the anti-masculine ideology and not from a pro-science ideology. So they wrote these guidelines. I I think um, it was 51 pages, maybe. It's been a few weeks since I've looked at it, but it was like around 51 pages. Um, uh, No mention of science in it at all. (laughs) No mention of male brain or male, you know, anything having to do with that. It was all about how masculinity is unhealthy. And, um, and it isolated traditional mas- masculinity as unhealthy. And so it defined traditional masculinity as stoicism, aggression, uh, power over women, 
which is really an exaggeration. That's not really what traditional masculinity is, but that's how they defined it. Um, so that, that they defined, they set up a straw man, they defined traditional masculinity that way. Then they said all of that is unhealthy. And they didn't, um, uh, well, and then they said, so therapists, the job of therapists, and I, obviously I'm, I'm really summarizing, but the job of therapists it was to help males not to have this anymore not to have masculinity or traditional masculinity. And then, of course, they spend a lot of time on toxic masculinity, which was basically that masculine traits become toxic. So so it's a double straw man argument, right? First, they say, well, traditional masculinity is inherently unhealthy and we're, we're smart people, so we're telling you that. They don't have proof for that, but that's what they say. Uh, and they quote each other. The other thing about ideology is you'll find they quote each other. And that's when you know it's not, not rigorous science right? They're quoting each other. They're not going out into like the tens of thousands of brain scans out there or other scientists who look at brain scans. They're not doing that. They, they just quote each other and say, look, the study that supports what I just said about traditional masculinity was done by these people. And well, these people are all with them. So it, it was really not a great document, even though it did point out the issues boys and men face. And, and, you know, then it hits the double straw man is, okay, we've already told you traditional masculinity is bad. So then when it becomes toxic, it's bad. And I always say to folks, you know, we would never do this with femininity. And so we shouldn't do it with masculinity. We don't, we don't talk about femininity or traditional femininity and then say traditional femininity is toxic. We may say, well, traditionally feminine people, women generally, um, we'd like to empower them toward blank. But we don't attack femininity at its core, and we don't attack biological femininity at its core. So clearly, this is a gender war thing that's been going on the last 50 years, and it's just really came to a head with those guidelines because, because the guidelines end up not helping therapists. They end up not helping men, and therefore they don't help, and teen boys, they don't help males. Um, uh, because they just are so counter to what males are experiencing. And so therefore, they don't help the women who love those males or the other males who love them, and they don't help the kids of these males. So the whole thing was ironic and sad to me. But at least they called attention to the fact that males need help. Uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, uh, Maria Shriver on the Today Show uh, did a, a, a piece, and she interviewed some guys, some college guys from California, and the tease was, how are college-age men uh, coping in a Me Too world? And so, you know, I was expecting, um, you know, these guys to talk about their confusion, because there is a lot of confusion out there right now about dating and consent and so on. Uh, but essentially, these guys were saying, we've learned that we have to be more vulnerable, we have to be more sensitive, we have to be more in tune with our emotions, and one guy went so far as to say, these are feminine qualities that we need to begin to adapt into our own lives. Now, I, I watched that piece, and I had a, a couple different reactions. One is I thought, neither you nor I, Michael, are going to argue that men need to be more vulnerable and more in touch with their emotions and sensitive. We, we would agree with that. I'm, oh, not yeah. I'm not sure we would necessarily agree, though, that guys should become like girls, that there is a biological way to have masculine vulnerability, to be masculine and sensitive at the same time. So for all those moms and dads out there who are raising boys, can you give us uh, 
a picture of what a biological male looks like. Now, again, recognizing that each boy, each man will express that masculinity differently, but there are certain biological realities that uh, make guys different than girls. Well, yeah, there's all of that. And I, I mean, that would that's 20, 20 of its own shows, the all the male-female difference that affects male emotional development, female emotional. Um, I, let me say a few things. One is that I've been involved in many of those sorts of shows in the past. And the way they set them up is they they find the guys it's and, and the women, when they just focus on women, they find the men, they find the teens, the women they want. They put them together so that they'll say what the agenda is. And, and you know, that's there's eight guys there. I mean, that's not the, the 3.5 billion guys in the world. It's those guys. And they give a theme that is very important in the ideology. And it's a theme that you and I agree with, um, uh, that everyone ought to be more in touch with their feelings at the times when that is useful. And that people ought not to be uh, displaying their feelings at times when their feelings are not useful. Uh, the, it, but our culture has created an ideological um, uh, conclusion, and that conclusion is males need to be more in touch with their feelings, right? We hear that everywhere. Um, males need to be more vulnerable. And um, that itself is a straw man because that assumes males are not vulnerable, they're not in touch with their feelings, which in some ways is just not true. Um, guys are in touch with their feelings. They process them in very different ways than females do. And and the requirement that males be, quote-unquote, as in touch with their feelings as females, that requirement is, is set up to fail. Because, um, like, for instance, when we scan male and female brains, having an emotive response, uh, being being angry or being sad, um, two, two parts of the male brain light up. Nine parts of the female brain light up. So there's blood flow in two parts of the male brain and nine parts of the female brain. Much more of the female brain is devoted to emotive response. And and this is um, uh, one of the reasons that what we call traditional masculinity, um, like, for instance, the stoicism part of it, one of the reasons that stoicism has been kind of bred into masculinity for, for hundreds of thousands of years um, is that there are a lot of times when it is not functional to be emotional. And um, I love what Steven Pinker, who wrote The Blank Slate, great thinker from Harvard, Steven Pinker responded to the APA guidelines. And he said, well, this is, we got to just stop this. This is just mythology that stoicism is unhealthy. Um, so he said it even more curtly than I'm saying it. Um, stoicism is actually very, very healthy. And it's healthy for both females and males, for everyone on the spectrum, to be stoic. We live in a society in which we have way too much emotion. There's way too much of people of people complaining and talking about everything they feel. You know, I mean, I sound like an old curmudgeon, but but if people look at the world we live in, we'll see that we need a lot more reason. You know, we need more stoicism. We need people to say, wait a minute, let's think this out. I don't have to have a long emotive response to this. Let me think it out. Let's see what we as a society should do. Um, and that value of traditional masculinity is actually a good value for everyone. And males tend toward it um, uh, 
Uh, they tend toward it, especially when all the testosterone washes through in adolescence. It reformats the male brain, you know, to be even more male uh, in terms of emotive response. And as they're getting older and as they're taking on service, uh, loving, parenting, you know, there are ways in which they have to become stoic in order to survive and thrive and for their family to survive and thrive. So the way that that she set it up, the, it's not her, it's her producers. The way they all set that up is all to set up the ideology. And and then when people like you and me say, well, wait a minute, um, wait a minute, there's something wrong with that ideology. We, of course, come off as saying males shouldn't be vulnerable, which we're not saying. It's built into masculinity to be vulnerable. It's built into biological masculinity to be vulnerable at the times when vulnerability is useful for loving. So in other words, partnering, mating, uh, Vulnerability is very useful in keeping bonds strong with mates. So that's a place where we, uh, where males will tend to try to be vulnerable. Um, and uh, But in many other cases, it's not functional. So males will not be vulnerable. And, and a lot of that's okay. Um, in therapy, you know, if we set up therapy for males uh, in a way that fits the male brain, males will be very vulnerable. I work with males, they're very vulnerable. That's a safe space where they'll be vulnerable. And um, it's very important to males, to biological masculinity, even to traditional masculinity. It's very important when males are going to be vulnerable, they need to be in a safe place. And where they have tended to be vulnerable traditionally is with other males, which counters the myth, of course. There's a myth out there that males are not vulnerable with other males. That is not true. Males, males fighting a war with each other make great science. People who have studied uh, soldiers and male soldiers and how they are vulnerable with each other um, is incredible science. So when they feel safe with each other and they fought crisis together, they will be vulnerable. Um, so anyway, I, I went off on a tangent there because it was a very big, uh, a big thing about the way the media sets up these young guys to say, hey, you know, we want to be more vulnerable. It's really good. But biological masculinity already includes it when it's functional. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, another of those character qualities that often gets uh, negative press is aggression. And um, David French, uh, who writes for the National Review, now he's more of a conservative writer, but, but uh, really finds himself pretty much in the middle these days, wrote a great piece on traditional masculinity through the lens of the shooting that we had a few weeks ago at the yeah, synagogue. Yeah, I saw that, yep. And he talked about the, the negative aggression of the shooter, and he said, yes, that's bad. But then he talked about the aggression of the young man who went over there to stop the shooter. He said, that's good masculinity. And so aggression in and of itself, and you're an advocate of this, is not good or bad. But it is a character quality that men tend to possess that when it's used correctly, and it is used correctly more often than not, it saves people. It saves the world. So give us a little bit of uh, right. your insight into aggression. Yeah, so aggression is another thing that the APA or that various people, when they want to attack masculinity, they'll say, well, masculinity is bad because it in 
includes aggression and because males are aggressive with each other and teach each other aggression. What it should really be saying is, you know, not that stuff which sets up the straw man. It should be saying that violence is abhorrent to a society and violence is something that we need to distinguish from aggression. And this is just like sex and gender get blended in our contemporary language. Aggression and violence get blended. So people will say, will say, well, you you seem sort of aggressive and and they are they're feeling you're violent, but really being aggressive is okay. Aggression is is I'm challenging you and you need to challenge me back. And that's how we build resilience. We cannot build resilience in any human being unless there has been aggression in their lives. And aggression obviously is going to be repeated, but aggression is not violence. So a boy pushing another boy, let's say, for example, into a locker, and then the other boy pushing him back, and then they, you know, high five each other. That is aggression nurturance. That's healthy aggression. And it's masculine, if people want to say that, absolutely, but it's healthy. So aggression is not unhealthy or toxic masculinity. And violence is not toxic masculinity. Violence is violence. It's a disease. The guy who who um who shot the other people he was violent he wasn't toxically masculine he was violent and of course he's meant he was mentally ill and and as we've said in this program before um the attachment of male violence to masculinity is a is a is a mythology violence is a disease comes from mental illness comes from trauma as kids the, the whole arc lack of father there's a whole arc and a number of perfect storm that creates a violent male um uh, it's not toxic masculinity or doesn't have to do with masculinity. Uh, but yeah, the guy who, the guy who rescued, um, or who ran in there to stop the killing, that guy, uh, practiced very healthy aggression. And I, you know, that's part of his biological masculinity. And it's just like you see guys who, when a bomb goes off or there are gunshots, they will jump on top of, the, the female next to them or the vulnerable male, the child, they'll jump on top of them and push them to the ground and put their bodies between the bullets and the person they're trying to rescue. That is biological masculinity. And um, and so it's also traditional masculinity. It's just masculinity. It's going to happen. And it's healthy and it involves aggression. So we need to rethink the way we do all of this. And I don't know if the society is ready to do it, but we have to rethink it all so that we can protect vulnerable boys growing up and they need help. They need to be protected. We need to protect them. But um, we we have to take this out of ideology and look at all these traits from a biological perspective and then look at how to uh, mentor them specifically in boys. And that's going to include empathy, which is a part of emotional vulnerability. Empathy is built into masculinity. Emotional vulnerability is built into masculinity. Um, uh, what's wrong is our society doesn't understand that, and so it's trying to take everything apart, and it thinks it's going to somehow build up this new guy, this new male, and this new male is going to fit a sort of ideological concept of what the male's going to be. But we have 50 years of that going on, and we have 50 years of things getting worse and worse for males, and more and more violence out there, um, you know. Etc. as you and I have discussed. So I think it is time for us to look at biological masculinity and stop looking at traditional or toxic masculinity. There are, for me, two ironies in all of this. One, uh, one of the most vulnerable human beings is the 12, 13, 14-year-old 
teenage boy. And secondly, all of these things that we say are negatives or toxic in men, we're trying to inculcate into our girls. We want our girls to be more aggressive. We want them to be um, uh, more adventuresome. We want them to be to take more risks. Uh, and so it, it almost seems like we want to take masculine traits and put them into our girls and take feminine traits and put them into our boys and understand that they all have those traits, but they just express them maybe differently because of the way that they're wired. Yeah, well, that's the bottom line, is that everyone is can be vulnerable. Everyone can be empathic. Everyone can be aggressive. Everyone can be stoic. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be somewhat different in males and females, and biologically. And then, of course, there's going to be nurture and culture involved. And, and that's really what our baseline ought to be. Um, and then we have something to work with. We have real science to work with. Instead of all this ideological stuff and, you know, these, these eight, eight guys on a talk show, you know, where, which is all just so anecdotal and just set up politically, uh, we, need to, we need to go deeper and see what's wired into us and not in a way that limits either girls or boys, men or women. We're beyond that. We're, we're all into gender equity, so we're not into all that limiting. But look at it from a brain-based point of view so that we can actually figure things out. Like, for instance... For instance, this this thing you just said about we want girls to be, um, you know, more aggressive, etc. One thing you didn't say is we want girls to be more stoic, and um, and, and I think that's that's telling and real because you don't hear that out in the right. media, and yet and yet I think female development today really is yearning for more development in stoicism. I mean, there's a lot of women I know, including everyone in my family. We talk about this a lot. Uh, you know, I have two daughters. I mean, my wife and two daughters. We're always talking about this, about how, uh, th- like, they'll come home for holidays and we'll be talking. And they'll say, well, so-and-so, you know, just started ranting about such-and-such. And it was just complaining and whining and blah, 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 blah. And what they're, sa- what they're saying is, uh, can we get more stoicism for everybody, please? You know, <laughs> so that we can all be stronger and more resilient. And I think that's an area of vulnerability, actually, for girls and women, um, where they're trying to figure out ways to limit their emotive output because it can lead to so much depression, anxiety, those rumination loops you and I have talked about, uh, feeling ruminations, you know, where they can ruminate on things. They're trying to limit that. So actually, actually, stoicism would be good for girls. I wouldn't say it's because it's a masculine trait. I would say because, as I think you're hinting at, because it's it's biologically good for them too. Yes. And and we just use language about it, but it's good for them too. So I've got one final question for you before I do that. Um, th- this is such a big topic and uh, we've, we're just kind of scratching the surface. Um, you've got a resource for parents. Uh, you're saving our sons. Uh, talk a little bit about that book and how that can be helpful for this discussion for parents who are raising boys. Yeah, Saving Our Sons is my newest book. It has all the recent research and um, and it's uh, you know obviously very practical as are all my books. Uh, and it has sections on this these questions. It is a practical book for parents and teachers. It's not really a political book, but it has sections that try to help folks look at this, including what is male brain, what is female brain, how do they set up nurture and culture, uh, you know what is healthy nurture and culture, given that we know 
what is male, what is female, uh, with all nuance, but we, we it's very clear after 50 years of brain scans and research. So it starts from there, then it moves out into the practical, and it takes on some of these political concepts. And I do note in there, and I show all the science of it, and it's well footnoted if people want to look, that violence, which people are saying is caused by toxic masculinity, I, I see masculinity as at best a correlation, if that, because violence is a disease, the AMA um, almost 30 years ago came out with this, that we have to start treating it as a disease. And um, it's caused by other factors. It is not caused by masculinity. Um, uh, there are a number of other factors, trauma to the brain, neurotoxins, fatherlessness. There's a, there's a perfect storm that creates violence in a young male and um, because he becomes depressed and then that tails into violence. So I lay all of that out too in a chapter uh, but for the most part, that is a practical book for parents and teachers. Our website, wonderofparenting.com, uh, also has other resources. Michael and I have created some rites of passage that you can walk your sons, your daughters through to help them with these kinds of issues. And, of course, there's a link to our good friends at A Place of Hope uh, in Seattle with great resources for you if you're struggling with certain emotional issues or addictions. And we're so grateful for their sponsorship. And, Michael, uh, for those who want to go deeper as well with you monthly, there's an opportunity for you uh, to join Patreon, our Wonder of Parenting community, and uh, for $10 a month, what do people get from you? Yeah, if folks go, of course, they go to wonderofparenting.com. They just go there, and then there's a link, and it links over. And then um, what we're doing there is we're, we're accepting donations there if people want to donate to this podcast and, um, and, and or just join. Either way, it's the same thing, $10 a month. And then you get video clips from me on these very important topics, which are for you for people in Patreon, in our community. Uh, you also can get linked over to the online course, which is six hours uh, of, of video parenting information. And then there's five hours beyond the six hours in the price of that course of interacting with me um, by phone in group calls and then in one personal coaching call. Uh, so um, a lot of lot, lot of stuff there. Folks just go to wonderofparenting.com and then click that link over to Patreon. And I've also written a, a little ebook for dads and for moms who are uh, raising kids with a dad. Uh, it talks about dads. It's called Dad Matters. And uh, this month, if you go to Patreon and uh, try it out for ten bucks, um, then you'll get that book free. Um, and uh, encourage you just to try it out. And if after a month you say it's not for me, great, you can unsubscribe really easily. Uh, so, Michael, here's my my last question for you, and this is a big one. So th this is just uh -oh. have to be summary. <laughs> okay. But you've got a mom, you got a dad who are trying to raise their son. They're hearing all this stuff about masculinity is toxic, or there's something wrong with traditional masculinity. What we've tried to say here is that. There is something sacred. There is something profound and compelling about your son being masculine. So what are a couple things parents should think about as they're raising boys uh, to be masculine creatures? Well, uh, of course, I've, we've, you know, it's such a big question. It's like, wow, where do I start? Well, I guess uh, based on today's topic, what I would say is um, raise that boy toward both um toward both aggression and stoicism uh and remember that aggression is healthy so not it's not violence toward both aggression and stoicism and vulnerability uh and emotional empathy so focus on both 
you know, see see both as sacred. They both fit within the matrix uh, or patrix of biological masculinity. But forget the words. You know, if you don't if you don't want to deal with the words, forget those. Just think. Okay, in the in the lifespan of this boy, I have this boy from basically birth to about eighteen or twenty. Um, f- let's make sure we're focusing on helping him to be aggressive in a healthy way and stoic in a healthy way. Uh, not to be a complainer, not to be a whiner, you know, to be able to take the, the obstacles of the world and press through them. Um, but at, and at the same time, be able to be emotionally vulnerable uh, when it is healthy for him to be so, like when he has faced trauma, um, and to be emotionally vulnerable when he talks to mom or talks to dad or someone to at least be able to have that conversation so that we know he's developing well with that. And make sure he shows empathy. So if you see him... If you see him in a pattern of not being empathic um, toward other kids at school or toward toward himself or to his parents, then intervene there. You know, really focus on that. Uh, I, I think if you do that duality, stoicism slash aggression on the one hand and vulnerability slash empathy on the other, I think you're going to do really well. Encourage you, if uh, this is a topic that's of interest to you, to go back into the, our, our archives, and uh, we've got several different podcasts on this topic that go at it from different perspectives. And again, you, in a 30-minute podcast, and we've gone almost 40, so you get a bonus 10 minutes today from us, <laughs> free of charge. Uh, we can't cover everything, but uh, it's such a big topic, we wanted to at least get it um back on the table for you to be thinking about. Get Michael's book, Saving Our Sons. And um, we're going to be back next podcast, and we're going to do a special on Father's Day. And we did one for mothers, and uh, Michael and I are going to talk about our dads and our experiences being dads. And that'll be next time. Michael, thank you very much for being a part of our podcast today. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And thank you all for listening, and again, a special thanks to the Center of Place of Hope. Uh, Go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, for all the stuff that you want to get to help you be a great parent. We'll be with you next time. Thank you. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.